Hey, good morning. Hey, I always have a pleasure of an honor to come up here and, and just share what's on my heart with you guys. Uh, it means a lot. It means a lot to me. Uh, it means a lot to my family, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, correction, real quick. There's, there are cards that are in the back, and the prayer cards and stuff like that. You got a long one. It's like an information. You also have a little small one that's a prayer card. These are new. I just got them. They're kind of neat. Uh, and you'll see them. They're in front of the little box. I forgot to tell uh, Pastor John about them. And on the front of them, it's a prayer request, just like the other ones, information, stuff like that. On the back of it, it's welcome for anyone who's new and stuff like that. It's got the welcome information if you want us to contact you. If you don't want to hear from us ever again, that's okay. That might happen after today, so we'll see. Uh, but anyways, they're just new cards, and it kind of saves a little bit. They're a little bit smaller. They might be, we'll probably eventually when they're all gone in the back of the chairs, uh, we'll put them all of them over there. So anyways, that was... Interesting. Uh, I love Pastor Willis. Absolutely love him. And yeah, he didn't know I was going to start my sermon with him. So, so Pastor Willis always has a thing. When he, his message, he always has a song that goes along with his message. And I think that's really cool. So I'm last night, I'm going through all my studies and stuff like that. And uh, at the very end, Spoiler alert, there's a, it's talking about being steadfast. So I call Chris, because steadfast is like one of my favorite songs. So I call him, and he doesn't answer his phone. So I'm like, all right, good. I didn't want him to answer anyways. So I hung up, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to forget it. Because uh, I've never done that. I've never called Chris, like, dude, can you play this song for me? And, stuff like that? and I just won't. I just, I just don't. Uh, so he calls me back. He's like, what do you want? I go, never mind. He's like, no, what? No, never mind. And he's like, what do you want? I was like, nah, I was going to ask you about playing a song for me, a special song if it's not on your list. And so I told him about it. And I was like, nope, I don't want to break my tradition. It's like wearing Argyle socks or something or no socks on the left foot or whatever. I don't want to break my tradition. So I'm like, just forget what I was going to say. So what does he do? It's a song steadfast. So, and I said, if, and I'm not going to ask him, and I don't want to know, uh, ask him if that was already on the list or not. So trust me, I don't want to know. But I, basically what I did tell him is, is God's in control. I mean, God is absolutely in control of everything. Uh, whether we believe it or not, God is always there. God's promises are never come back void. And that's the, that's the thing. So I told Chris, I'm like, you know what, no matter I'm always blessed, and your worship God puts on his heart, it, it always ties in somehow. And I don't know, and he, I never ask him what songs are, but they always tie in. Uh, one of the phrases, I don't know the name of the song, but the covenants you'll never break. And that's talking about God. God's covenants will never break, ever. He'll never break those covenants that he's made with us. He calms our soul. That's another verse in one of the songs. And I'm overwhelmed with him. I think we all are. We're always overwhelmed with him when he's in our life. God provides rest from pain, from sorrow, from worries and anxiety. Excuse me. I was going to do a message on uh, like a, a Jewish view of the Sermon on the Mount. I had it all planned out and everything. And we had an unexpected uh, family member pass away. So God put on my heart to do this. <clears throat> I will make it through this. Trust me. Uh, 
God's promise is rest. Okay? He promised it in the Old Testament, and he promises it in the future, that we have rest. Uh, so we look at chapter 3 in Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews 4, uh, probably most of the time, Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. And I, I titled this, The Rest That Remains, meaning there is going to be a rest that we're going to inherit as long as we don't harden our hearts. And I'm talking about like unbelievers also. If it is so hard sometimes to witness to our closest family members. And so I'm sitting there last night uh, while my wife is talking to one of her brothers. And I'm just sitting there. If I could be a cheerleader with some pom-poms, and I'd be sitting there just, woo. Because she's sitting there just drilling the gospel message to one of her brothers. And I'm just like, you go, girl. <laughs> that was awesome. And she's like, how was that? I'm like, oh, I'm not worthy. So it was just really cool. And I don't know if he's ever heard the gospel message, but it was just absolutely amazing. Listen to my wife explain the gospel message to my brother-in-law. It was just absolutely cool. So anyways, I digress a little bit. Uh, chapter three, we're talking in Hebrews chapter three. They look at the comparison to Moses and Jesus. And there's a whole book that Moses brought the law, but Jesus fulfilled the law. And how this comparison is based on the example of the wilderness. Okay, uh, what happened to them in the wilderness? It was due to their unbelief. They weren't able to go into the promised land. But God promised it. It was based on their unbelief. They weren't able to follow him and follow through on that promise that God gave. Why? Despite Moses' leadership, Moses died in the wilderness and he didn't enter into the promised land based on lack of faith. Okay, and under Christ's leadership, we face the same danger. Okay, we do. Because uh, he's promised. And why? It's because of lack of faith that we might not enter into the kingdom of God. So Hebrews chapter 4, uh, we're going to, well, first, uh, verse 3, 14 and 15. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said today, and God's speaking us to us today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. What was a rebellion? That was prior to them going into the land of Canaan, the promised land. So God's warning us. Was he speaking back in the Old Testament? Like David asked, he asked me if I was going to do something on the Old Testament. Absolutely. I love starting in the Old Testament because if it wasn't for the Old Testament, guess what? We wouldn't have the new. So again, is because we have, he's warning us not to have that lack of faith, hardening our hearts. Okay. <clears throat> and then also, therefore, uh, for one, excuse me, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, he's talking about the promise that he made still stands for futuristic purposes. While it still stands, let us not fear or let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. I don't want anybody, okay? And I will say, uh, 2 Peter 3, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 9, that God wishes none should perish, but all come to the knowledge of salvation of Christ, Okay? He doesn't wish that anyone should perish. So it's up to us. I'm not saying it's on my, our horror. All the burden is on us to witness to our friends. But when we have the opportunity to witness to our friends, okay, life is short. I realize that. 
Okay, life is short. We don't have time. I believe, and I'm not going to, this is not a pre-trip thing, but I believe in the eminence of God that it can happen at any moment. Okay, and that's just my heart. Okay, we have differences of opinions, and I'm, I'm fine with that. In my heart, I think that we have that, that eminence that we have to focus on witnessing to people because we don't know when they're going to go be with the Lord. Okay, we don't know their hearts when that happens, if they go to the Lord or just if they pass. We don't know their hearts. So what my wife did last night was just absolutely amazing. We didn't know if he uh, was a believer or not. He says he is and blah, 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 whatever, and whatever life's trials he's going through. But you don't know that. So she just drilled it into him. Is Jesus your savior? Have you put your trust in him? And I'm sitting back just like, I, that was a totally different person than I used to learn with. She, uh, is it breaking up again? Okay, uh, I'll change battery. If someone wants to bring me a battery, I'll change it really fast. Uh, but we need to, that, that eminent, that idea that we need to jump in there and witness to our friends and family is, is pretty urgent. And I think God's put it on all of our hearts to do that. Excuse me. So uh, chapter four continues. Give me one second. All right. Is that better? I hope so. We'll see. Thank you, Mr. Rose. Um, all right, where was I? Okay, so uh, right there in Hebrews, we are told not to harden our hearts, okay? So we have that chapter four continues that warning, okay, in chapter or verse one, that, and we speak of multiple rests that are in the Old Testament, and then it also jumps to the New Testament. So what is the rest that remains? That Hebrews chapter four, what's it talking about? Okay, so that rest is alluded to in Deuteronomy 20. Okay, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers, as to you, and, uh, excuse me, and they also occupy the land, meaning Canaan, that the Lord your God gives to them beyond the Jordan, then reach, or then each of you may return to his possession, which I have given you. So God's promised it. Is the land right now in Israel as big as what God promised? No, it's the size of New Jersey. And God gave them a huge swash of land. Okay, is he going to take it back in the end times? Yeah, God promised it to them. And guess what? They might be on loan or right now, but God's going to take it back. It's, his, it's their land. So it's alluded to in Deuteronomy. It's also in 12, 9, and 10. For you have not yet, as yet, come to the rest. What is that rest? It's the rest that remains. It's that peace, that rest from worry, anxiety, pain, sorrow is what he's talking about until your God has given you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that your, excuse me, that the Lord God is giving you to inherit and he, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you will live in safety. Isn't that amazing to live in that that safety, knowing that God has is, is protected you, that you don't have to worry about your enemies. Well, that's what he was talking about. You don't have to worry about his enemies. He, he gave them protection. And that is, I think, we need to strive and 
and encourage our brothers, encourage our sisters, our, our co-workers, because this is something that God's promised. And if he promises, guess what? He's going to keep that promise. So God also promised in Joshua 24 or 21, sorry. Thus the Lord gave the Israel or gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took the possession of it and they settled there. Verse 44, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. Are we being bombarded with craziness in the world today? Absolutely. You can't turn on the news. You can't open your phone. You can't do nothing without hearing some kind of ridiculous. Uh, Got to be careful what I say. <laughs> it's just junk, a garbage. I'll just say that. My wife showed me something. I wish I had a picture of it. My wife showed me this Mattel doll. And I it instantly, my, I, I started shaking. I could tell my face turned flush and just instant anger over. It was a Mattel doll dressed in pink, like a little skirt and all that, crucified. And I'm sitting there and it was on, uh, what, I forgot what magazine. It was like Newsweek, New Yorker, with a beard. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like shaking. I got so mad. The disrespect from that is just absolutely atrocious. So... I can't wait for that time where we have that rest. So we don't have to worry about that. Well, in the thousand years, we don't have to worry about that. Okay. And then when we get into heaven, when we inherit the kingdom of God, okay, we don't have to worry about that garbage that's out there right now. There's zero, 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 zero respect for the gospel. Absolutely zero in our culture today. And that's sad. Chapter 4 talks about God's rest. God spoke of a future rest in Hebrews 4, verse 8. Uh, I'll look at it right now. God also warned that the word today, okay, <clears throat> excuse me, that God warned not to harden their hearts. Before what? Before Canaan. So, it's not the Sabbath rest. So, that's not what he's talking about. It's not the Sabbath. It wasn't the Canaan. God's not talking about the Canaan rest. The rest when he was when the Israelites were in Canaan. It's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the Sabbath rest also. It's natural to think of the Sabbath rest when one hears the words rest. Because it's one of the Ten, or one of the ten Commandments. That you shall rest on the Sabbath. Okay. When first introduced to the nation of Israel, it was spoken of as the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord, Exodus 16, 23. It was a seventh day rest patterned after God's own rest uh, following the creation. He's still resting. He's not creating anymore. Okay. He's still in that rest. He's still in that time period where he's resting. Okay. And that's where, again, that's where we need to focus on, not this rest. We need to focus on the futuristic one. Okay, it was encoded in the, in the tablets in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. The Sabbath day is a rest given only to the nation of Israel. Okay, that Sabbath is given to them. It wasn't given to the Seventh-day Adventists. It wasn't given to the Gentiles. But I will look at, it is the people that were inside of their, within their gates then that, that was recognized and the Gentiles were able to and were reckon, or they had to recognize the Sabbath. But it wasn't given to the Gentiles. It was given to Israel. 
Okay. It wasn't given to the fathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. You can see that in Deuteronomy 5 verses 2 through 22. Nehemiah 9 says the same thing. It was given to Israel as a weekly remembrance of their deliverance from Egypt. And that's in Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Observance or observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Okay. We are supposed to keep the Sabbath holy. Okay. We look at on Sunday as our Sabbath. Okay. This is when we rest from the worldly garbage and we focus on God. Obviously, if you're in law enforcement or if you're in healthcare, there are exceptions that you're going to have to work. You can't just say, Woo, I'm not going to chase the bad guy because it's Sunday. I'm not going to do that. So we have to. But that was, this is an idea that we are to rest from the worldly concerns and focus on God. So like I said, verses, uh, Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Verse 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on it shall do no or shall not do any work or uh, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey, pretty much everything, uh, or the sojourner who is within your gates. That is the Gentiles who are within your gates. They're not supposed to be doing any work. Your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were the slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought to you out of there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. But this isn't what we're talking about as far as the rest that still remains. Those in Christ who've died to the law, having been delivered from it, that they may now serve Christ. We don't serve the law. Okay. Is law, you can wrap up the entire law, the 10 commandments in two, honor your father with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor. That together, just those two sums up the 10. And I'm not talking about the 613 laws that the Jewish people came up with. But Romans 7, <clears throat> excuse me, Romans 7, verses 4 through 6. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. What does that mean, died to the law? We're not held under that law, the Mosaic law anymore. Okay, why? Because Christ came and fulfilled that boat. Do we still hold true the Ten Commandments? Yes, within the two. Love your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor. Okay, we're still doing that by nature. We're going to do that. I'm not going to murder someone. Okay, that's just wrong. I'm not going to steal from them. Okay, I'm not going to covet their, their stuff unless it's a Corvette. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there. The new Corvettes are really cool. I might slip on that one, but or a 55 Chevy pickup, one of the two. I will covet those. But the whole idea is you're supposed to, you will adhere to the Ten Commandments if you adhere to those two. But it's not that we are bound by the law. Like he says, we have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may, <clears throat> excuse me, belong to another. Belong to who? Belong to him. That's who we belong to. Okay? To him who was raised from the dead in order that you may bear fruit for God. Are we bearing fruit for him? Not for ourselves, but for him. That's what we have to ask ourselves. 
So finally, the argument. So we look at the, the part of the, the ministry of death is the Old Testament. Because what is the Old Testament? What is, and I'm not saying, please, let me clarify that. When I say ministry of death, the law does not save you. The Old Testament points forward to what? This is that interactive part of the church. So what is it? What is the law point to us? The cross, Christ. Okay. It doesn't point to the law, the books, rules, regulations. It points to what Christ did for us. That is, it exposed the need. It exposed our sin. Kind of like a few a former president said, I was going to drain the swamp. Didn't get rid of them. Read the words. What did he do? He exposes. And that's what the Old Testament does. It, the law exposes the need for us to have a savior. So, the ministry of death. And then you have, and that's the Old Testament, has been replaced. And when I say replaced, please hear me on this. I'm not saying replaced. It's, it's a greater covenant. And it's the ministry of the Spirit, the New Testament. You can see that in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and also verses 8 and 11. So it's a matter of indifference to God, whether one... Worships on Saturday, worships on Sunday. Some people work the weekends and their Sabbath might be on a Monday. And that's the day they take aside to worship God. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay. Why? Because Paul says that. So finally, the argument is regarding Joshua uh, can also be made regarding Moses. Long after Moses provided the Sabbath rest. <clears throat> Excuse me. Joshua was the Canaan rest. Moses was a Sabbath rest. While Moses, uh, let me see. Give me a second. Five and six. Go back. Sorry about that. And it's in Psalm uh, Psalm ninety five. Uh, was that the one I wanted? Nope. I don't think so. Give me a second. Sorry about that. Right here. Psalm ninety five verses uh, seven through eight was written. Okay. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in Meribah, as in the day of Massa uh, in the wilderness. Okay? We're talking about God's rest. Okay? And this is the one I was telling you about. It's futuristic. So his rest, we can see in Hebrews, bless you. We can see in Hebrews uh, 3.18, and we can also see it in 4.1. So... Uh, which those who fell in the wilderness did not enter. We can see that in Hebrews 3.18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? If we're disobedient, meaning we've hardened our hearts, like unbelievers have hardened their hearts, they're not going to enter in to this rest, this promise that God has made. I'm going to trip on that one of these days. Uh, so we have that promise that he's telling us, don't harden our hearts. We look at what happened to Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Okay. You have certain instances where their, their hearts were hardened and they weren't able to. I have family members on my side of the family that they've hardened their hearts. I don't care how many times I've witnessed to them and talked to them. I'm a blink, blink, blink Bible thumper. I'm like, Okay, I'll take that. So, uh, but I still pray for him. No one is beyond prayer. 
It might not be me that witnesses to them, and they might not listen to me, but somebody's going to listen to them. Or someone that we send or we pray for, it's not that we send them, but we pray for it, someone's going to go in there because God said he's faithful. Someone's going to reach them. So what about Christians today? They also have a promise of entering. Which Christians today have a promise of entering? Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, meaning it's still futuristic, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. It is a rest that God entered upon the completion of his creation. So God rested. After he created the seventh day, he rested. He's still in that period. Do we want to be in that rest period with God where we're not laboring, we're not working, we're not worrying, we're not filled with anxiety, sorrow? Yeah, I think every single one of us want that. Okay? But how do we get there? God's rest is a heavenly rest. And we can see that in Revelation. Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord for now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors. From their deeds, follow them. Man, they can rest. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I didn't know what that meant, truly meant, uh, when my brother passed away. It's been years ago, 96. Uh, I remember that moment my wife and I were talking about the other night. I closed my eyes, and I can picture him sitting in uh, Fred Hutch over in Seattle. And my dad was on one side. My brother, my oldest brother, was sitting right here, and I've got my hands was sitting there on his leg. Uh, I could picture it like it was yesterday, and I'm watching the monitor, and then I watched it go flatline. And something happened to me. I, I just it, people say it made me just the emotions and stuff like that, but literally it felt like something knocked me back into this chair behind me. And I look back, now I look back at that day, and I see being a believer, and I see that Paul, was it 2 Corinthians 5, 9, I think it is? Don't quote me, or 5, 8. But it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That second, that very second, when that went flatline, his last breath, his next breath was in the presence of God. That is absolutely amazing. It gives me chills, man. And I'm not talking about the AC either. It's just, it gives me chills when I think about that. So our loved ones, as long as, that's why I feel this need, this dire need when we have, again, I'll say it with my wife, just preaching uh, to her brother that we don't have time to waste. Okay? We don't. We don't have time to waste. We need to get it, get her, get the job done. What, what was that, Joe the plumber? Get her done. So we need to do that. We've got, I can't believe I just quoted Joe the plumber. Anyway, sorry, I apologize. I'll repent later. But we have to. 
it's the thing that we have to do is share the love, not hammer them over the head. I've done enough of that in years, but we need to share the love of Christ with our family and our friends. So what are the essentials to enter God's rest? Look at Hebrews. Okay. So obviously the word of God. Okay, so this has the power. Yes, it's a purple Bible, and no, you guys can't have it. I know you guys are coveting it, but you can't have it. <laughs> There's power in this. Absolute power in this. But if you don't pick it up, if you don't read it, and you don't put your trust in the person who wrote this, that power is useless. You have to have faith. People have faith. Every single one of you has faith in the chair that is going to hold you up. Okay? It's not a matter of having faith. It's in the who you have faith in. What matters? Even atheists have faith. Frank Turek, I don't have enough faith to be atheist. I love using that. When people, I'm witnessing to people, they're saying, what's, what's easier to believe? God created the heavens or the earth or nothing? Ooh, nothing. I'm like, well, you have more faith than I do. At least I, you're, you're from nothing or something comes from nothing. I don't have that kind of faith like you do, but it is God's rest. So we're looking at the word of God. Okay. Like I said, Hebrews <clears throat> verse two for good news. What is the good news again? Interactive part. It's the gospel. Okay. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they hardened their hearts. Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So it's not just having the word of God. But it's having faith in the word of God. Not in just mere words on a page. But it's having faith in the person, the Holy Spirit, who inspired the person to put those words on paper or parchment. The word of God is essential for at least two reasons. Without it, we would not even know about our promised rest. Okay, so what would you want first? So a doctor comes to you. Would you want to see the x-rays or would you want to see a cure? So show a hand. Who wants x-rays first? Or the cure? Or would you want the cure first? Okay. Why would you want a cure if you don't know that you're sick? I want to see the x-rays and say, wow, all right, that's horrible. Okay, you said something about the cure? I want the cure now. So I would want the x-rays first to show. Because you walk up to a normal atheist, a non-believer, and you start offering them the cure, they don't even know they're sick. You need to show them the x-rays first and say, dude, you're dying. But I have the cure. It's right here. So without it, we don't even know about our promise. Without it, without faith, we would not know how to receive our promise. Without this, we wouldn't even know how to receive that rest. 
that we have coming to us. The word of God, i.e. the gospel, is truly God's power to save. Romans. This is one of my favorite verses. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Can I say amen? We are not ashamed of the gospel. Okay? For it is the power of God for salvation to who? To everyone who believes. Not to a few select people. It says right there. Well, everyone who believes. To the Jew first. We're not talking about chronological order. The word first right there is proton. Okay. It means to the Jew, especially foremost, not saying that God loves the Jews more than the Gentiles. That's not what it says. He's saying that it's going to the Jews first because what are the Jews supposed to be? A light to the Gentiles. So it goes to the Jews first proton, especially then to the Gentiles. Sorry. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith in who? God. So it's mixed with faith. The word of God did not profit many in Israel because they did not receive it in faith. Okay. The word is powerless without faith. But unless our hearts are good and noble, the word will not find proper soil. Okay. Needed to produce that intended fruit. The heart and mind must be like anyone who's a gardener. I mean, you can't just throw some seeds, kick some dirt, throw some seeds and watch it grow. John, you know that. Okay. I mean, whoever gardens knows that you have to till the soil. I remember when I was a kid, uh, out on the freeway, it's on Wagga Way, right on the corner. They had the corn stalk. Anyone remember Glutes Pond? You guys remember? You guys remember Glutes Pond? I remember my mom and dad, when I was a kid, all that corner right there was a big, uh, uh, like, farm, garden, huge area. Every day, oh, I hated it. Every day after dinner, okay, dinner was at 4.30, every single day. After dinner, we'd go down to the Glutes Pond, and my brothers and I would run down to the pond, okay, because there's a pump house down there. And we'd be, it would be the first one down there would be able to turn on the pump house, and pump the water up to irrigate the water. Okay, I was a, a kid, a young one, and all I was good enough to do was pull weeds. So that's all I was allowed to do. I, was, well, I wasn't fast enough to run down there and turn on the water or anything like that, because I always got left in the dust, because uh, I'm the youngest of four boys. Uh, but I learned how to trip people really good. But you have to till the soil. And if the soil is not good, the heart is not good. And the heart will not receive which God wanted us to have. So faith comes from what? From hearing. And hearing through the word of 
Christ. That's how you build faith is in this right here. This is where our faith comes from. This is where our faith is put in, is in God's will. Look at John. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. But the ones that fell on the ground, or the good ground, but, sorry, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Because if you don't till the soil and prepare your heart, repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways, you're still a sinner. I guarantee every, every single one of us still sin. We do, okay? But it's a matter, are, are you living in habitual sin? Or are you striving and trying your best to live Christ-like? That is the key. So we look at without faith in the promise of God's rest, will not be, we won't experience it. Faith in anything else other than Christ is useless. It's like putting a screen door on a submarine. Okay, that's pretty useless. So there's a song, Rich Mullins, I think, has a song. Remember that? The screen door on a submarine. I've always remembered that. I'm just, because my dad, he torpedoes, submarine, and all that stuff when he was in the Navy. So that just always stuck in my brain. So, but what do we have to do? We have to look at God's word with fear and diligence. The Hebrew writer stresses both of these essential elements. Let us fear, okay, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short. Hebrews 4.1. Okay, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest, meaning the futuristic one, still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Okay? Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall, according to the same example of disobedience. So, fear is that awesome reverence Okay, and it's that, oops, sorry about that. So it is that awesome reverence as an important place in the life of a Christian. We have to f- not just, when I, when I first hear that, that fear, I'm scared and stuff like that. No, we got to realize that we are powerless. We are, we're, we're made in his image. We are a workmanship of his hand. We're not worthless, Okay, I want to make that very, very clear. We, none of us, even our friends, our family that are not believers, we're not useless. We're not worthless. We are all made in God's creation. They just haven't experienced that love of God yet. That brings them into the inheritance of that rest that still remains in the future. So fear is an awesome reverence, knowing that he is God and we are not. Let us therefore be diligent. Not all went to the promised land. So what does it mean to be diligent? It means just above everything else. Just put that in your forefront and and just focus on that. That should be number one in our priority list is God, family, and then whatever order you want to put in your work, family, friends, whatever. But it's God first. 
Because if we don't put God first, how can we love our family? We can't. Jesus taught us whom to fear. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but, and, but cannot kill the soul. We see that going on in our country right now. We see that in other countries, that they're being persecuted. They're killing the body, but they can't kill the soul. That's who we need to fear. Rather, fear him who can destroy both. Can God destroy both the body and soul? Absolutely, can destroy both. But if we put our trust in him, our soul is eternal. And we'll be with him eternally. We're all going to live eternally. Okay, we all are. It's just a matter of where your address is going to be. Is it going to be a northern address or a southern address? It is. It's a choice. Sorry about that. Come on. Second Peter 1 5. For this very reason, make every effort, meaning being diligent, to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. We must be diligent to grow in Christ-like character. Okay? We must be diligent to make our calling and election sure. The need for uh, such a fear and diligence is understandable only if the possibility of falling short is real. Because we do. Okay. In conclusion, try to wrap this up real quick. I say real quick and then I forget where it was. Sorry. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Okay? So it's a problem. In conclusion, the rest that remains is indeed a wonderful blessing. But we've seen disobedience in the Israelites because they fell short. In the Canaan rest. Though they collectively as a nation were God's elect, predestined to receive the promises uh, made to Abraham, but individually they failed to make their call on election sure. They had the gospel spoken to them. They had the good news spoken to them. But they didn't reach it with faith. So they did not have that fear and diligence necessary to persevere. So what about us today? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. Okay. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer. This is what I hate. Someone taught me years ago that God answers prayers in three different ways. Yes, no, and wait. Yes, I love. No, eh, I'll deal with it. I hate waiting. So when God makes you wait, that's the one that I don't like is having to wait. But to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, no, it's in his time, not our time. But is patient towards you and me, not wishing that what? Any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He doesn't wish that anybody, not one single individual perishes. That's his word, not mine. 
He wants all to come to repentance. So we are blessed to be God's elect in a collective sense in Christ's body, Jew and Gentile. Okay. We are predestined as Gentile or as Gentiles. We're predestined as such according to Romans 1 16. Okay. To have salvation in Christ and including that heavenly rest that awaits yet individually. And we read this already to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Individually, we must make our calling and election sure. Are we receiving the word mixed with faith? Do we have the proper sense of fear? Are we diligent in our efforts to remain faithful and steadfast? These are three questions that we need to ask ourselves. Okay. Do we believe the word in faith? Do we have that proper sense of reverence towards God? And are we diligent in the efforts to remain faithful? And here's that word right there, steadfast. Are we remaining steadfast? Only then we can have assurance of entering in the rest that remains. Only then. If we do these three. So tonight I'm going to look at, it's the second part of this, uh, God's powerful word. It'll be a little bit more laid back. Uh, but like I said, I had a message that I wanted to do, but God put it on my heart to do this. Because knowing that, that our family, our loved ones, that have went ahead of us are enjoying that rest. They don't have to labor anymore. Our family members aren't in pain anymore. There's no sorrow in their hearts anymore. There's no anxiety. They're hanging with Jesus. Jesus is not my homeboy. That's where that fear and reverence comes in. But there is one thing that I, I definitely want to do. I'll kind of end on a little funny note that when I get there, there's two things. Okay. Noah, probably going to go up there and punch him in the arm. Say you had that one opportunity to get rid of those mosquitoes and you didn't. Okay. And two, probably punch Adam in the arm too. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been chopped up by blackberry bushes dealt with yesterday, all those thorns. So, so I have a couple of people I want to talk to when I get there. After I meet my family and reunite with my family and my loved ones. I can't wait. I just, the more and more that I think about my brother, because he was a believer and I wasn't, I kept the growers in California really, really, really busy and most breweries around here too. Uh, but I would love to hang out with my brother right now. Being a believer, gave his life to Christ when he was eight years old uh, in the Boy Scouts. 
man, I would love to be hanging with my brother right now. Just the conversations. Just have him on my podcast. I can't imagine what my brother would say. But I'll find out someday. Because if we adhere to all those three, we will have that rest. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more worries, no more anxiety. And we'll be hanging with the Lord. Let's close in a word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for just a breath that you have given us. Every single breath comes from you. Lord, we just thank you for the time that you've given us. Thank you for just being with you. Thank you for loving me as much as you do. Thank you for giving me that love that I have for you. Thank you for my family here. And I want to my family here in church, you guys are my family. And I pray that every single one of you, just just the, the love of God just envelops you. That there is nothing, nothing holding us back. Just from showing the love that you have for us and our friends and loved ones who might not know you. Lord, I just ask you, just give us that boldness, that strength to share, like my wife did last night, share the love that God has for us with our family and friends. And may the power, may the power of your word change their lives. We thank you for this time. Thank you for coming and listening to me. Listen to your word, God. Because your word goes out and it doesn't come back void. Your promises are forever. Lord, I ask that that we don't harden our hearts to you. If God is pulling at our hearts to speak to someone, don't harden that. Ask, send me. Because I will go. We thank you. We love you. Lord, we ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, you're welcome to come back tonight. Uh, Like I said, it'll be a little bit more casual. Look at the power of God in the book of Hebrews. Thank you.